This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? And welcome back to another awesome episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia Fabi. And this morning, on this early Sunday morning, I got Brittany Hegel with me. How are you doing, Brittany? I'm good. I'm, I actually feel energetic. I'm like, oh, let's get the day started. <laughs> you know, it, it's like a catch 22. Sometimes you do these shows at night, and then sometimes you do them in the morning, and it's like, which one are you more tired for? <laughs> Definitely the nighttime one, so at least I can walk around, but at night I'm like, okay, it's bedtime. Exactly. I really do prefer doing these shows in the morning, so I'm happy that you're joining me today. And we got a really cool subject. Uh, we are doing the top 10 sci-fi television shows. Now, last week we did the top 10 sci-fi movies, but as I was talking to Brittany in the pre-show, I was going through my list and I realized that I had a lot more sci-fi shows than I did movies. So I felt like we had to do this one and it's going to be a shit ton of fun, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, I, we both discussed, we're like, we're going to have so much overlap, so we better be prepared because we watch so many of the same things. And even I was sitting, I was like, what does it constitute science fiction? So I do have like two silly ones, but they're definitely sci-fi. Well, and the thing is, as I was saying to you in the pre-show and also last week when we were doing the movie portion, there is so many, like, there's so much that constitutes a sci-fi. You could be watching stuff, and to you, it doesn't feel like it has any sci-fi elements to it, but it's still sci-fi because it overlaps with so many other genres. Oh, definitely. And there's so many things that they're like, oh, it's fantasy fiction. I'm like, but most things come from science fiction. Exactly. So I'm really excited for this list today. I think we should just kind of hop along to it. And Brittany, I'm going to give you the number 10 slot. Let's see. Uh, let's hear what you got. I was going to go with my silly one first because when I was younger, when I was little and watching Boomerang all the time, I freaking <laughs> loved the Jetsons. And I don't know if you watched the Jetsons growing up, but I was like, oh, we're going to have hovering cars and we're going to have self-cleaning maids. And and it definitely it hit the science fiction for me, just getting to see, like, as a kid, you know, and it's like, I was born 1994, so we definitely had computers by that time. But as I grew up, we had such, like, the technology boom of suddenly being able to use cell phones and, you know, the computers were more wild, widely available but getting to watch the Jetsons as the kid, I was like, this is the best thing ever. We're going to have, like, the best world, and we're going to live in the sky, which obviously hasn't happened yet, but I'm still holding out hope. <laughs> um, obviously, I watched the Jetsons growing up, you know, as someone who spent a lot of time with her grandparents watching Looney Tunes and the Flintstones as well. 
Justin's was definitely on the list. And it's so funny. You know what the Justin's reminds me of? It reminds me of, it reminds me of like, if you look back at, say, like the 1930s World Fair and what they thought we were going to have in, say, like the year 2000, like flying cars and all that stuff, that's what it reminds me of. Like, this is like, because I for, I'll look it up in a sec, but I forget when the Justins actually came out. But it's you can look it up. Um, it was like their perception of what we should have in this modern day. Which in some aspects we have things, and in other aspects we don't have things. Like again, obviously flying cars and uh, rope. Well, you know what's funny is that they what? have. They have a robot as their maid, right? And I was going to say, well, we don't have that. But isn't that technically what, like, Siri is and Amazon Echo? And they're making things where it's, uh, you you know, your kitchen can be, like, voice commanded and stuff. And you can turn off the lights by voice command. So, in a way, we have that. It's just not a physical, like, talking robot in your living room, which would be weird. I, I was looking, it was 2012 that they thought we were going to have all these things. But uh, what I was going to say is, yes, not yesterday, a, a few days ago, I was driving by and I thought this like little, like, like a child's toy, I thought it was going down a hill and going to run out in the highway as I was driving. And it made me panic. So I moved over and I look at this thing and no. It's a Roomba version of a lawnmower. Oh, my God. I, yes. I, I was like, oh, because it was coming so fast. I was like, oh, no, it's going to run into the yard. And then it, like, turned around, and I was like, what? How did it do that? And it was like, no. And so I need one of those, just a little, like, <laughs> remote control lawnmower, which I was like, that'd be great for old people that are like, you know what? I want to play video games, but also I'm too old to mow, so this is great. Well, I don't know if they have this at the Walmart down where you are, but if you live, I guess, in the Westchester area or anywhere where they have an AMP, you know, a supermarket, they have this, like, robot that is literally... Uh, roaming the aisles because it's supposed to be like a security thing. And oh, it's I've heard so about those. Have you heard about it? Yeah, I didn't believe my coworkers because I hadn't been to the A&P yet and they were talking about it and then I went and I was like, what the hell is this thing? It was the weirdest thing and then they like decided to put googly eyes on it to just, I don't know why, Yay. make it even stranger. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Scary. Which, by the way, I definitely know you're from the north when you call it the Walmart. I was like, what are you talking about? And I was, uh, I, you know, I got to tease you. What? It's whatever. Walmart, the Walmart, uh, as you and Martin like to call it, Wally World. <laughs> Wally World. Uh, no, I was just like, I've never heard it called the Walmart. It makes it sound so important. Well, you know, because it's the only supermarket you guys have down there. We have a Oh, shot fired. We have Kroger's. <laughs> no one cares about Kroger's. Anyway. No, nobody cares about Kroger's. I can agree. Uh, oh, wait, we have a Harps. <laughs> Do y'all have Harps? No. Oh, well, 
See, we we have something you don't for once. Oh my god! Wait, I am that. Hang on. Before we move on, I have to recognize <laughs> people are listening. It's not A and P. It's Stop and Shop. A and P was the brand of supermarkets that actually went bankrupt a few years ago. A and P oh, and Craftmark. Right. But we have like Shoprite. Stop and Shop, H Mart, Key Foods, uh, Chico, the Chicos. Um, oh shit, what's another? One? Oh my god, why am I going on about this? So, what are we gonna have next? Top ten supermarkets? <laughs> I, yeah, I went to uh, when I was in Texas, there was like an H E B, and I had never heard of it, but apparently they are all over Texas, and I was like, what? I've never even heard oh. of this. We don't even we yeah. don't have CVS. And we have Acme, which is another brand, CVS, which now CVSs are, like, bringing in food and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, so you come here, you're just going to have a shit ton of options for your food. And if they started with these weird Roomba robots in Stop and Shop, it's only a matter of time before they go to the other one. So, anyway... That was our uh, little chit chat break of supermarkets, <laughs> but, but still kind of like you know uh, tying into the whole sci-fi thing. So you know it's okay, it's okay. But either way, I think Jetsons is a perfect way to start this off because growing up. That was our idea of the future. <laughs> that's what we thought was, you know, what we were going to get. And let's just see if eventually that's ever going to happen. But our first Brittany, I'm experience being disappointed. Oh, <laughs> I mean, listen, that's our example. But imagine, like, the people in the 1930s who really thought that they were going to get all that shit. And if they're still alive at this point, um, they're probably sorely disappointed. I went to that freaking World Fair thinking that we were going to get this and that, and we just got these devices that allow us to look up cats and start internet fights. <laughs> I was going to tell you a, a stupid joke later, but I'll, I'll text it to you later. Okay. Brittany is full of, um, you know, I don't want to say stupid jokes, but... um. Jokes that she oh, really I will. thinks are funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, things can be stupid and funny. I mean, look at you. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, I love you. Wow. Oh. Oh. jugular this morning. I know. I mean, we got to keep it fun, right? But but I, I know later she'll... If I end up dead, it was Tia. <laughs> Don't put that out on air. Now I'm scared. As I take a sip from, as I take a sip from my Punisher cup. Oh. Which, don't worry, that's not on this list. It's not sci-fi. But anyway, I'm going to hit the number nine, and I'm going to pick a pretty well-known uh, TV show that I'm pretty sure everyone will agree uh, constitutes as sci-fi, and it's uh, Netflix's Black Mirror. Because the whole entire series is about, you know, how technology and science fiction is um, abused in modern day society or whenever. And every episode is different and has a different aspect, whether it be more like, and I don't know how much of Black Mirror you watch, Brittany, but some of the technology is very like 
realistic to present day, and then others is a little bit more futuristic, where we seem to be kind of maybe in the beginnings of getting that, but we don't have it just yet. And so, but every episode is different. Like you had an episode in season four, I believe it was, where this woman got like this uh, got surveillance technology injected into her daughter so that she could monitor what her daughter was doing at all times. Or then, of course, you had USS Callister, which was like a direct parody of Star Trek, which honestly was one of the best episodes that the show has ever made. But the, my whole point is that several, that the whole series just kind of touches upon technology and how we can abuse it and how we should honestly be careful in our advances as we go on because we may think originally that something is a good idea, like, say, that mother putting that surveillance chip in her daughter, but how that could actually end up doing a lot of harm and almost just creating this society that's very just not almost humane and superficial, like um, one of the first seasons. Uh, it's not season one. I think it's like season two or something. But you have this episode called Nosedive where uh, you know how, like, you like things on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything? Well, in this world, instead of you having, say, good credit, it's, everything is dependent on what your, like, social status is. Like, if you are below, say, a 4.5, you can't get certain mortgages. You can't get on flights. You can't be approved for a car. Um, so, like, the lower your uh, lights are, the less you're going to get in this world. And people are, like, fake to each other because they want others to rate them properly. And so it just creates this whole world where everyone's just, like, incredibly superficial and incredibly fake to each other. So, uh, to me, Black Mirror is a perfect example of sci-fi, really touches upon technology, and I'm putting it as my number nine. I was going to say, I think that's great. I was going to add real quick, uh, actually, with you just saying what you did about, like, the social score, China actually started implementing that, where people are starting not to be able to fly because their social score is too low. And you think, oh, that's just, like, science fiction, but it's, it's like, no, it's actually happening, where it's like, oh, if you don't fully support the government or if you speak out, your social score goes down. It's like, and people will tell on one another so that their score will go up. So it's like, that stuff is really happening right now. And that's terrifying because it is like, oh, it can't happen. And it's like, a lot of this can happen. It's actually going on right now. That's really terrifying, actually, to just think about. But, you know... It, to me, even out like with that episode, our whole credit score thing is is that. I mean, yeah. to me, I to me, I think you know, and that's a topic for another day. I think credit credit scores are absolute bullshit. But um, regardless of that, you know, Black Mirror and say what you will about the last season, the fifth season, which again I agree with, was just not good at all. I only liked the episode Smithereens because Andrew Scott was in it and his performance was amazing. 
but it just wasn't good. But besides that, all the other seasons really did an awesome job and kind of like freaking you out. I mean, the whole uh, joke every time Black Mirror releases another season is people like throwing their phones out or putting tape over the <laughs> webcam because they're like, your phone's going to get you, your technology's going to get you. But I mean, it could be terrifying like that. And maybe it's a cautionary tale. Do we want technology to actually advance? Uh, you know, um, I really enjoyed the, the Callister, the USS Callister, right? That episode, we watched that together and I was like, Oh, that can't happen. But it also gave birth to the best line of like wishing that she could uh, defecate was one thing she missed because everybody was like Kindle down there. I was going to say, you know, I do love the cautionary tale of it. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Black Mirror is so dramatic. But, no, it's like I get about, like, people doing the webcams, which is, like, why I discovered on my laptop. It's like it has the little slide cover so you can hide the webcam. Because I had a friend that uh, he used to game with a lot of people, and they would get mad at a girl, and they would hack her webcam to, like, watch her and be, like, creepy to her. And that always terrified me since I heard that. I was like, people do that? That's actually possible? And it's like, yeah, it's possible. Black Mirror is not just crazy. I hope you certainly stopped gaming with that person after that. Uh, I mean. Oh, no, no. This was, he was never like that. But he was telling me the story of people that had done it. I had never met the people that did that. Oh, well, maybe they met you and you just didn't know it. <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, no, I definitely, like, I'm so cautious that I, like, cover, like, every time I have my uh, webcam, like, for streaming setup, I-, I would, like, unplug it and take it off, and then I would close my laptop so that the webcam wouldn't be on because it scared me so bad. You know what always, like, freaked me out? There was an episode of Criminal Minds back in the day, like, one of them where the guy would pretend to be, say, like, a, uh, a, a technician, but really he was just hooking up their, like, webcam so that he could see into their uh, houses, and then when he would go, like, murder them, he could then go back and rewatch it, and I was like, that's oh, scary shit. <laughs> Well, it's criminal minds, you know. I mean, it's, 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 there was never a positive outcome here. <laughs> I was gonna say it's kind of like, uh, you know, the voice and everything um, with you know, oh, the yeah. part of how they yeah they got in was because they hacked her webcam so that they could record stuff or like learn stuff about her. I am really guessing that they never expected to see Pasqua literally smash a dude's face with her butt. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're giving me flashbacks. I'm sorry, you know that I will pick any moment to actually talk about The Boys because it was one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen. But we're getting off track with that. Um, So number nine is obviously going to be Black Mirror. And Brittany, give us your number eight. Um, Leading into that, I think will be a good point to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation specifically. (laughs) Because that's what we watched together. And I thought, I was like, man, that might be on both of our lists. But I just loved it because it was so interesting. Like, whenever I heard people talk about the first Star Trek, I was like, this is awful. The acting is awful. What is this? Which, don't come for me. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it certainly didn't always age well. 
but uh, but you know you always love Spock and everything in it. But I loved how there were such interesting things. Like every time there was something new, is like you had. Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, I'm trying to think of the word for. It. You know, we loved it when they would go to these different worlds and it'd be different. Like that one world where they're like, "Oh yeah, it's perfect and great here, and nothing ever bad happens." But that's because if you even slightly break a rule, we murder you. And I was like, oh. that's great. That's wonderful. You remember that, don't you? Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't know, it, it kind of goes back towards, like, a very mature version of the Jetsons, where it's like they had all this future technology. And they had that room, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but where they could go into it and program it, and it would be, like, like a simulation of, like, things you could do or exploring or, like, therapeutic and I always thought that was so interesting because that's our, you know, technology keeps advancing. There's no reason you couldn't walk into a room full of, like, screens and pretend that you're somewhere else. So I thought that um, was pretty neat. Star Trek fans are coming at our throats right now. It says, no, I'm just <laughs> I say it's you so <laughs> No, I really like Star Trek The Next Generation um, I liked it a ton more than I liked the original Star Trek like the only reason why I really had any interest in say like Captain Kirk or Spock was because of the movies that came out with Chris uh, Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and Zoe Saldana but besides that (laughs) the original show I mean, you can kind of see why it was canceled after three seasons. I mean, the it definitely suffered from an incredibly low budget. Um, we actually talked about that original series um, last week on the podcast and how pretty much any planet they went to was like the same planet. They just moved things around a little just to be like, it's a different planet. So obviously um, – Star Trek The Next Generation was able to accomplish more because it was, I believe, two decades later, so technology did approve, uh, you know, improve by then. And first of all, you have Patrick Stewart, like, as, you know, Jean-Luc Picard. He's just absolutely magnificent in anything, and the man doesn't freaking age at all. And um, I really wish... Right? I really wish I had CBS All Access because I don't know if you saw Brittany, but they're coming out with another series called Picard. Um, and he's I did see that. And the trailer looks amazing. Um, so I really want to watch that. But my whole point is that, yes, I love Star Trek The Next Generation. I love the technology that they featured in it. Um, I loved, you know, Lieutenant Data and, like, uh, the Klingons and all that. I really enjoyed how they – and William Riker in it. I mean, first of all, I just think that they had fantastic characters and great actors to uh, do that. But what was so great with the whole, like, sci-fi thing, right, is not only just, like, the technology, but I don't know if you remember, like, they were at um, a stance where no one ate real meat anymore. Like everything was almost, like all their food was all processed to really essentially taste exactly like meat and stuff. So they really just showed like how much they advanced because the whole point kind of to Star Trek and the reason why, um, oh God, Gene Roddenberry 
even created it was because he wanted to make a show where humanity was so advanced that we were beyond war, we were beyond racial tensions, gender discrimination, you know, that was his whole vision in it. And it was nice seeing that, you know, seeing all of these characters, you saw women who were in high stature and none of that like superficial shit mattered. And it was incredibly poignant for being like the 80s, right? And I just really enjoyed it. And as you said, that one episode, because it was essentially they wanted to put him to death because he tripped into some flowers. And he, and it's like, well, that's why, you know, no one commits a crime because you could sneeze in the wrong direction and you'd be put to death. So that's why, so it's like, yeah, you may think that that world is so harmonious and beautiful and everyone's just so kind, but it's really because they're all essentially living in terror for, you know, their lives, essentially. What I liked about that episode is I think it didn't, it, it was saying like, oh, how did they reach this? But, you know, we could have learned something from them and, you know, because they're just enjoying it. And then that happens. They're like, oh, that's how it happened. You know, this was the yeah. sacrifice that they made for like this paradise. But uh, two things real quick. One is uh, Riker straddling everything was like the best part of that series. That man man did not know how to sit on a chair properly. (laughs) What I think is so funny is that my old boss at GameStop, we were talking about Star Trek one time, and I didn't know before I had actually watched it, you know, when you started watching it, and he was saying something, and he was like, oh, it was because there was a Star Trek pop of Riker. And he was like, that man don't know how to sit in a chair. And I was like, that didn't make sense to me. And I said, what do you mean? And he pulled up a chair and sat in it like how he did. And I was like, no, no, that's not possible. And then when we watched it, I was like, oh, God, I get it. I get it. It's not even a joke. I watched YouTube compilations of him sitting in a chair. And it's always the exact same way. And the second thing I was going to say is, you know, I had a moment where I was like, oh, I couldn't remember for a second if you pronounced it data or data. And then I remembered that there's a whole episode on, not oh, on man. that, but yeah, of how he was like, oh, data is very cold and like scientific and data was more of like, you know, a personality for him. And I was like, I always thought that was so cute. And you know what's really funny um, with the new series Picard is, um, I don't believe uh, the actor who played William Riker is reprising his role, although I do think that he has something to do with the show, like maybe from a director standpoint, but um, the guy who plays Data is returning, which was like They're like, how did this robot age? (laughs) Well, that was the thing is that the actor, and now his uh, name is like just going away from my head, but they, he had even said that one of the reasons why he wanted to stop playing the character wasn't necessarily because he disliked playing the character, is that he just felt a little silly because he said it's an android, you know? Androids aren't yes. supposed to age, but clearly I've aged. Um, you know, not everyone can be lucky to be um, Patrick Stewart and not age a day in his freaking life. I'm pretty sure he came out of the womb looking the way he looked. I think he just made a deal with the devil for eternal youth 
or to age better and to sort um, and have amazing acting skills. It just what did it cost? Everything. But him, him and Morgan Freeman must have made the same deal because if you look at pictures of Morgan Freeman when he was younger, he looked exactly the same way that he looks today. And I'm like, all right, you guys, what did you do? What? Did you oh, do? oh, and Ian McShane. Oh yeah, it's just like what? Why are these actors just not aging? And it's like I, and you can say like. My usual uh, answer is, well, that's what plastic surgery will get you. But I don't even think it's that. I don't even think it's that. It's just they just literally did not age. Yeah, like worst case scenario is Botox. And from what I hear, everyone there gets Botox. I mean, Botox honestly is something that a lot of people get because it actually um, helps headaches, I heard. Yeah. You know. That's much oh, there more is. <laughs> but, um, in a Jurassic Park. There it is. Uh, I love Jurassic Park. I want to go back and watch it now. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but, all right. So, Star Trek The Next Generation was a fantastic choice. I think that you couldn't have a list about sci-fi without including Star Trek in some form of capacity, you know? But definitely The Next Generation is the better show. Even though I heard that Discovery is pretty good, but I haven't watched it yet because I don't have CBS All Access and I am not going to pay for 10 million um, subscriptions. Know what I'm saying? (laughs) Or else we just might as well do satellite or cable again. That's what I'm saying. It's just too much at this point. So, no. But great choice, Brittany. I am going to hit the number seven. And this show should realistically be a little further down. But as we say, these lists are never actually in order. They're just what we decide to spew out at that moment. So I'm going to pick Westworld. Because I love Westworld so much. And I mean, this whole entire show is sci-fi. It's about a park that's so realistic that you think these are humans and in fact they're actually robots who again look incredibly like humans, feel like humans, talk like humans and even we see throughout the show that the technology alone to make these hosts even change because we see Dolores um, underneath their skin is very mechanical but then we find out that the newer versions are made out of like pretty much synthetic skin where it looks like veins, they bleed, it looks like organs, but it's all synthetic, which makes them incredibly realistic, which, you know, I don't think I'd be able to kill any of them with how realistic it is. I mean, it would be pretty much like you're killing another person, but obviously that was kind of like, the points of the park, but it blurs the, te- the line. It blurs the line, and the technology is just so advanced. I mean, this clearly doesn't exist in this point in time because we don't even have the advancements that they do. That they are not only creating these parks for people to come and um, do this, but we see in like the season two. Uh, personalities transferred from real people to hosts. And 
even though it looks like that could possibly not really be um, functional. You know, we saw a few examples of that. There was a piece, and again, spoiler alert, I guess, at the end of season two where it seems like the man in black is, in fact, a host. Um, not always, but now becoming a host. So that must mean that they found a way to successfully transfer personality to a host. And that's just going to be insane. And season three doesn't come out until uh, 2020, but based on the trailers that we've seen, we're now branching out from the island that Westworld took place on, and we're going into the quote-unquote real world, and we see that this technology, this advanced technology, bleeds into the rest of the world because they were showing, like, actual robots, um, just technology that is so far advanced than what we have at this current moment in 2019. So, to me, Westworld, which is, you know, almost hilarious because it's... uh, you know, took place originally as a Western type of thing is incredibly sci-fi, and that's what it always is, the concept, is just looking Western but really being robots and shit. So to me, um, you can't not count Westworld as a sci-fi show just because of what they were able to accomplish. And as you know, I absolutely love this series so much. Can't wait for the third season to come out and see how they continue telling the story and what it's actually going to be like now that we're getting into the real world and kind of getting away from the park. Because I really don't think that we're going to be in the park much in the third season. But um, so, yeah, number seven definitely has to be, you know, Westworld. You know, I love the series. I know that you love the series because you love the man in black. Ed Harris plays such an amazing character, so really just would love to hear what you have to say about Westworld being on this list for sci-fi shows. I was going to say, I, I knew it had to be on the list. I knew it had, and I was like, it's either me or Tia that's going to get to it first. And I was like, it's probably going to be Tia. No, 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 it's okay, because what's perfect is that even discussing this has like made me go, man, that was sci-fi. That was sci-fi. You know what I mean? Like, I'm hitting it. I love Westworld, and more than I love The Man in Black, I love Dr. Ford, because you know I love Anthony Hopkins. That whole show is incredible. I love how it blurs the line, because it goes, what is human? And that's, you know, a big question since robots even became a thing, computers, they're like, what constitutes a consciousness? You know, what? at what point is it people playing God? And so whenever you have these creatures, these hosts that you go, oh, well, they're just robots. Like, no, they're made out of synthetic flesh, synthetic bones, synthetic blood. You know, they bleed. They, they can cry. They have emotions. It's like, at what point do you go, you know, is it human? And then you have Dr. Ford, who does very much have a God complex. And you think, you know, spoiler alert, you think he has no love for these things. You think that he's like, oh, there's nothing. But then you start realizing, oh, no, they're his creations. You know, he's very fond of them. He very much wants them to basically become human, unless I got the wrong idea from that. But, you know, he wants them to basically be what they are. And I always thought that was so incredible for it because it's like, what is human? If it bleeds, it's kind of like a, 
if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it may be. If it looks like a duck, it may be a duck. So well, I don't know. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I was just going to no, say to to me, it's very much like Doctor Four created these hosts. Um, I think essentially just to kind of see if he could. And I think once he saw how humans start treating the host, he almost just kind of had this moment where he's like, humanity sucks. So I'm going to put in something that eventually the hosts are going to freaking take over and shit like that. Like, to me, that's what I got from it, because I think he just saw how humanity was and how they treat the host and seeing, like, how essentially, you know, like what a person's real basic animalistic drives and it's like you put something in front of them and you tell them hey it's okay if you rape this thing it's okay if you kill this thing there's no consequences and they do it without a second thought you know and for dr ford to see that that is like almost at the core of humanity at that point i believe he just started putting in place that the host should essentially overcome humans. I think it's because he was like, well, it wasn't like basically he thought they were better because you think of Maeve, it's like even though she was in this situation, all she wanted to do was find her daughter. And it was like how that drive even overdid her programming. And you think even Dr. Ford tells her, he's like, you're the closest thing I ever had to a child. Oh, I love that episode. That episode was so good when he, like, tells Maeve that. That was fantastic. Like, I I ping-pong between, like, trying to figure out who you kind of want to root for, if it's Dolores or Maeve. Because they both have these, like, ideologies. They just seem to both be going about it in different, like, fashions, pretty much. Um, Maeve for president. (laughs) I would vote for that shit. <laughs> no, I I absolutely love this series. I think it's so good. Um, you know what? Rem- you were talking. You know what it reminded me of? And every once in a while, I think of this when I like watch Westworld. But oh no, tell that- me. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna butcher the line because I don't have it in front of me. But it always reminds me of the line from the first Jurassic Park when Jeff Goldblum is saying, like, how, you know, God made humans, humans tried to play God, and now they're going to be destroyed or something. Again, I'm butchering that line. But that's pretty much what it always reminds me of with Westworld. Like, we we tried to play God, and now our demise is nigh, pretty much. And I think it's very interesting if you go down that aspect of, like, Dr. Ford basically getting that God complex and feeling like, okay, I've hit the point where I created humanity, but I created hosts instead. He implemented where he was in, uh, was it Bernard, like, that he got in his head and he's hearing him and seeing him, and that was the same for uh, Dolores with, I can't remember the guy's name, the other guy, and it's like, Arnold. Okay. And they're like, oh, consciousness is like basically thinking like God's talking to you or like there's a response back, like, uh, you know, like a, a circulation of thoughts, like a answer. And you think, oh, it's God talking to you. And it's like, oh, no, it's just Dr. Ford. And 
What did you say his Arnold. name was? Arnold. Arnold. I don't know why I, I don't know why I forget so much, but I love it. I love it. No, I do as well. I mean, I just think it's, I don't know. It, it's just like such a good show, and it really, um, it, it challenges your thought process. And I know that, like, a lot of people kind of were questionable about season two. I personally loved season two because I loved how freaking confusing it was. Is that bad? I loved how confusing it was. You just want to be confused. It's okay, baby girl. (laughs) I mean, I think anyone who watches the movie Inception must like it because it's so goddamn confusing. No, I'm thinking it and I know it's confusing. Oh, Brittany, you've never seen Inception? Come on. Is that going to be on my list when I come to New York? It has to be. It's so good. It, like, if you watch it, you'll see that the movie Doctor Strange had to have taken so much inspiration from Inception. Not to go off on a tangent, but uh, you saw the movie Doctor Strange? Yeah. All right. Remember the scene where they're in the city and you see, like, the street folding in on itself? Yes. And with, like, the skyscrapers. Yeah, that's a scene directly from Inception. Inception has come out at least, like, maybe, like, 10 years before Doctor Strange. So, like, I I like Doctor Strange, but I see you taking inspiration from a Christopher Nolan movie, which makes sense, by the way, because Westworld, um, one of the producers for Westworld is Jonathan Nolan, who is the brother of Christopher Nolan. So they clearly So many Nolans. They clearly just like making confusing shit. Christopher Nolan's like, I'm going to make confusing movies. And Jonathan Nolan's like, well, I'm going to make confusing television. There you go. (laughs) Double threat. They're like the Russo brothers. (laughs) Anything the Russo brothers touch is gold. But um, So, yeah, number seven, Westworld. Can't wait for the third season in 2020, which just feels like it's so freaking far away. But I guess I'll just have to go back and rewatch the first two seasons. So, Brittany, let's hear what your number six is. <laughs> We've talked about it so much now. It has to be on the list. I didn't think of it before, but it is like textbook science fiction. I'm going to have to go with Jurassic Park. Because Wait, if you think about what Brittany, did you remember yeah. that we are on the television? Oh, not no, no, that's why I didn't do it. Oh, no, I'm so stupid. No, okay, I got a better one. It's okay. We're okay. <laughs> Anyone who's listening, that I am not editing that out. <laughs> uh, I'm so embarrassed. You ever get like the embarrassed sweats where you're like, oh no. <laughs> Oh, no. That's why I had to stop you before you went any further. <laughs> Thank you. You're like the friend that's like, that you they get up and they have like stains on them and you're like, bro, you stained. And you're like, I'm embarrassed. It's like, no, you're good. Just fix it. Just fix okay. It. <laughs> Just fix it. Okay. I have a backup. I'm going to go with the boys. Because, uh, and it's going to be a spoiler, and I didn't think about it beforehand, so spoiler alerts if you haven't watched The Boys. Spoiler alert for anything that we say on this list, because we're going to talk about it. 
you know, we're going to go to death. You would think at first where you're like, it's not science fiction because, you know, sometimes people don't consider the Avengers science fiction, even though, you know, uh, Captain America was made from serum and, you know, the Hulk was the gamma radiation. But you have these superheroes, and as you go throughout, you're like, oh, they're just born this way. But as you find out later on, it's become the is it compound V, right? If I'm correct, yes. mm-hmm. that is basically you know intravenously like injected into these infants as the after they're born, and that that's the reason that they have these powers. And it's like you find out, no, it isn't because some like God given gift. It's like no, it's science. <laughs> as um. Uh, as Butcher says, it's like, oh, they're lab rats. They're test tube babies, basically. And I thought that was so interesting because the whole time you're like, oh, how did, you know, these supers come into this world? You know, is it just, you know, special? You know, because in, uh, in other types of television with superheroes, you know, uh, bitten by a radioactive spider, bitten by this, or, you know, all this different crazy stuff and it's like no they were basically manufactured to be superheroes and have powers and you realize it's not as special as you think it's a science fiction situation with it and by the way that was all a very incredible show and I I like three different ways of trying to kill translucent (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to say that most superhero shit can be constituted as science fiction just because most of them seem to get their powers from some sort of scientific um, external force. Like, and I'm obviously going to comment about the boys because you know how much I love this. But um, I was thinking about this even when I went back a few days ago and watched The Flash. Um, all the metahumans got their powers from an accelerator burst pretty much technology. So you go into something like the boys where you find out that they all got their powers from something called compound B, which is the serum that was injected to them as children. I mean, as you said, they're lab rats. That's all made with the advancement of science, um, which I feel like, you know, the guy who's like aliens, they should just, we should just have a, a meme that's like, Science that needs to be the freaking like poster of this, but yeah, I I mean it, it was incredible finding out that every single one of them were made with the compound B, like even Starlight, because when they started finding out about the compound B, I was like, okay, but how does Starlight factor into this? Because it really seems like she was just born with it. Um, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Anyway, maybe it's um, Maybelline. Maybe it's compound V, um, but and then, you find out that, <laughs> and then you find out that the mother had her freaking daughter tested on because, oh, God, I could go into that mother all the time because she just pissed me off so much. But, yeah, I mean, that was insane that we got to see essentially that sort of uh, side to it. And then we obviously saw in season two that now supervillains have been created with the advancement of technology with, of course, Homelander just being an absolute dumbass and deciding that I'm going to make supervillains, which, why? You're already essentially a supervillain. Um, uh, but, 
I, I absolutely love this freaking show. They are in the midst of actually filming the second season, which is fantastic. I hope that we get it at some point early in 2020. That way we don't have to wait too long. But I think that it's absolutely a fantastic example of sci-fi because you wouldn't have the superheroes to, you know, essentially run rampant in the cities if it wasn't for the fact of a genetically altering theorem, you know? Which I do have a quick question because uh, I I can't remember quite correctly, but so, you know, you have these supers, right? That like as children, they're tested on, right? And, does it wear off? Do they have to take constant doses, or do they just continuously have it? And if they want to boost, then they take the compound V as like an enhancement drug, which that's that's what the vibe I got. But then I think back to uh, was it Kimiko? Kimiko, yeah. Kimiko, uh, it's like where she was. You know, she had it, in, but you know, obviously, we saw as a child she didn't wasn't injected, and as a young adult she wasn't injected, and then suddenly she's injected. Is that eventually going to wear off for her, or is it at any point that you can start compound B, have superpowers, and they never go away, or is it like medicine where it just wears off after a while if you don't take it consistently? My understanding is that when they're experimented on as children. Because it's not so much, you know, they're just injected with compound B. I think it's like a whole process, you know, because even, you know, Homelander, we find out he was essentially created in a lab. Starlight, the mother, is talking about medical bills. That means that, you know, it's probably more than once had to go in and have stuff done. So I think it's that they are permanently supers, right, Um, Mm -hmm. as children with the help of compound B, but then they later on as an enhancement drug take compound B because, you know, uh, we obviously see A-Train abuses compound B and Homelander says at some point that he knows that A-Train has been on the juice and it's messing with his mind. So I think that the others don't take it. Um, But so it's like one of the things that as a baby, with the help of being in a lab and with the compound B, they're made into supers, which last a lifetime. But if you want to do it as an enhancement drug to give you that extra boost, you do it. But then obviously it has those negative consequences like brittling your bones and kind of messing with your mind, which we saw that happen with A-Train and even to an extent Top Claw. So I think that's kind of what it is. That's my understanding because uh, Starlight, I don't think, ever went back to get any of that because she thought that she was just created with it, which I think is what – they all think. I don't think that any of them, besides maybe Homelander, know the truth. I certainly don't believe Maze does, The Deep, uh, Ezekiel. I don't think any of them know that. But it doesn't, uh, like, the question I have then is, like, with uh, Kamiko, it's like, what is she, if was she created later on in life, or does she have to, but she seems to be fine. It doesn't seem like her powers wear off. So I don't know if maybe she just went through of all the experimentation, but they said that, like, you know, they were having shipments there and then injecting her with it, and they couldn't figure out why. So I don't know if it's, like, kind of like hormone therapy where it's, like, you just have to do consistent doses of it or what. 
I think maybe because she was injected later in life. And it, because again, with the others, I don't think it's one of those things where as babies, it was just one injection. I think it was like a series of injections, experiments, you know, tapering and all that. And to me, it sounds like with Kamiko, it was just people who were not knowledgeable of the actual laboratory um, requirements who just decide, hey, if I just stick the needle in her with this stuff, it's going to do something, you know? Yeah. It's different. It's different than actually in a hospital and a controlled setting. That makes sense to me. <laughs> I'll take it. You'll take it, yeah. But it's interesting um, because, all right, let's say, and, and again, I guess spoiler alert. I don't know why I'm even saying that. I don't even feel like saying that, all right? You had time to watch The Boys, and this is just that side of the show. But at the end of season two, where we find out that Homelander has a kid, is that kid going to be a super? And in that case, then does that mean that that was passed along genetically? And so we have these original soups who got their powers through compound V, but does that mean that now there can be a new generation where they're legitimately born with powers? I think it could be genetically because, and even though they're changing from the comics, my, my reason for thinking so is that, you know, you know, spoilers, you know, in the comics, Butcher's wife died of the super, you know, child that, you know, she had because of being raped from Homelander that came out super-powered and tried to kill, you know, Butcher, where she had to beat it to death with a lamp, which is awful. But uh, it makes me think, you know, in that context, you know, they were still made through compound B, but that child was obviously just came out because she didn't go through the testing. She didn't get the injections because, you know, she was raped. She just basically just, you know, hid it, kept it secret, you know, not particularly from Butcher, but the whole situation, it just came out as a super. So it makes me think that if, if it's, where Super has a child, then maybe it'll have powers. But then it goes to wonder if Mesmer had a child, Translucent had a child, were those children Super? Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. It could be one of those things where, A, it could be one of those things where maybe it's sporadic, one. Maybe it takes a while for the powers to manifest, too. Or, because it's pretty much is alluded that Homelander is the first, right? So maybe because yeah. it seems it seems like the other children were probably experimented on so young, right, that they don't even remember. And then they were thrown back into their families so that they essentially just thought that they were born like this, right? But Homelander doesn't have any sort of premonition that he was born like this. He knows what it was. So maybe because Homelander was probably even more intensely experimented on that maybe it's just the case that with him, he can have a baby that's super able. You know, that, that I, I'll take that explanation <laughs> because that makes more sense if he was just like weirdly, you know, like he had a different set of circumstances. Right. Which, I mean, I didn't want to say, like, say super sperm, but super sperm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tia. Thanks, Tia, for that. 
I will go throughout my day. I will go to my grandma's later, and all I'm going to be thinking is, huh, super sperm. Well, that's just weird, and that's on you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) I will. I will. Um, But, all right, so the boys is such a fantastic choice, and I feel like I can never actually top that ever, so thanks a lot, Brittany. But I'm going to try, and for my number – my number five is going to be a show that um, I've been very into lately, so you're going to already know it. I'm sorry if we overlap with this, but I'm going to put down Stranger Things. Because, because while it is certainly also very much like, say, a weird, supernatural type of um, paranormal, I guess, even show, I think it certainly also crisscrosses into the sci-fi because um, all of it is possible from experimentations in labs. Um, Eleven wouldn't have gotten her powers unless she had been brought in as a young child and experimented on. Everything of hers was essentially done in a lab. And the whole reason why they were even able to say, you know, this is technology that, like, is just crazy, right? They made this, like, super baby, essentially, who not only has telekinesis, but can literally um, spy on other people through this kind of warped, upside-down world. And that is just, like, really almost difficult to grasp that that's even possible, just very strange. And on top of that, all the creatures that we've been introduced with in Stranger Things, which then makes it um, essentially a like horror movie, horror show or something, but the upside down world is accessed through, you know, pretty much scientists just getting a little too ahead of themselves with that shit and opening up a portal um, between the worlds. So to me, it certainly constitutes as a sci-fi genre, while it also bleeds into the horror, supernatural, paranormal type of genre as well. It essentially stems all from sci-fi because we wouldn't have any of this if it weren't for the fact that it was all created um, scientifically um, in the science fiction because that shit is crazy and I would hope <laughs> Because and I hope it doesn't exist. So that's gonna be my pick for number five. And um, just like, do you think, Brittany, that it constitutes as a sci-fi show, or am I reaching here? I'm gonna say definitely, because you know I thought about choosing Stranger Things, but I knew that I haven't watched enough of it to try to be able to just discuss straight off the bat. So I was like, I'm leaving that for Tia. But, no, the whole thing is about that machine, right, that made it all possible for, like, getting to the upside down and, you know, portals, this all this crazy shit going on, you know, 11, you know, having powers. It's like, it was like, because she was experimented on. There's so much that goes into it. It's not just like, hey, interdimensional creature that's like it, because isn't that the whole thing with it? Is that it's some like interdimensional demon monster? But, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, I'm like, no, it's perfect because he, even like uh, in, in the newer season with like the Russians discussing and the armies are like involved, you know, and it's like, this is some like sci-fi shit going on when the military gets involved. Well, yeah, because they show in the third season that the Russians are trying to duplicate what the American scientists essentially were doing and uh, uh, almost reopening the portal that L11 had closed at the end of season two. So that is just all this kind of like crazy experimentation and all of that. And you find out actually in the second season, you know, Eleven is 11 for a reason. She's the 11th one. There are others. You see in the second season that there is another girl out there who has powers. It's not the same exact powers that 11 has, but um, her own set of powers that were genetically modified through the same sort of lab that 11 was created in. So you have like all these so cool uh, her powers, not the other one. Um, she's like number eight, but she gave herself like an actual name name, which I can't remember at the moment. But her powers are really cool. They're like illusion powers. They can make you um, essentially see your worst fear. So she's almost like Scarecrow. Oh, right. If you fear spiders, she'll make it where you just see a bunch of spiders on you. Great. Wonderful. You ever like, oh, I wish I had powers, but I also don't want to be a genetically modified orphan. (laughs) That's really what it is. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I mean, (laughs) no, seriously, like, to me, Stranger Things certainly certainly stems from very much sci-fi origins because you wouldn't have – and to me – that's where Stranger Things kind of really blends in a lot of different aspects really well because sometimes it's like, oh, you forget, okay, this is a sci-fi show, but then you forget sometimes it's actually a monster horror show, and it's just all these things in one that is able to, and now with the third season, it's uh, it's like a government, um, uh, like, uh, what you call it, oh, conspiracy theory type of show. I mean, it's all these things um, wrapped up in one that just makes it really fantastic. And the fourth season is certainly going to, I think, explore more. And I swear to God, if Hopper is not alive, I will be pissed. Will you riot? Will you pull a a fit throwing uh, like you did when uh, the Netflix Marvel Universe got canceled? Don't don't even like bring up the defenders of Marvel Universe because Netflix still can go kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah, but only if they keep doing Stranger Things. At this point, the only thing Netflix has is Stranger Things and Black Mirror, and the last season of Black Mirror was terrible. So they need to really amp that up, or else they're done. And Stranger Things, I think the fourth season is going to be the last season. Um, so after Stranger Things ends, wh- what do you got, Netflix? What do you got? <laughs> well, sometimes listening to the top ten is like watching to you. It's like, it's like watching two people that used to be deeply in love and watching like the slow breakdown of the relationship until the breakup comes. 
And it's like, if they do this one more thing, I'm done. It's over. So, yeah, I think she is going to hit that one day. One day I'm definitely going to cancel my subscription to Netflix. As soon as, like, Stranger Things is done, I don't know if I really have any sort of, like, connection to Netflix anymore. Netflix is going to be hearing this. And they're like, you bitch. And it's like, come at me. You're still taking my money. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes, I think Stranger Things is, like, one of the best to go on here. Definitely constitutes science fiction. Even when I was looking up sci-fi TV shows, it was one of the top ones that showed up. So I think the rest of the world agrees with you. Oh, really? I didn't know. Okay, that's interesting to know about. Yeah, I mean, it's just a really good show that melts all of these type of I mean, Winona Ryder is fantastic. I can go on about that, but really seriously, like, has this um, uh, deep, like, it's very connected. So it says every season always connects to, like, say, some sort of lab. The first season, like, really we're finding out about everything. Second season is when you find out about, say, that there were other children like Eleven. And then the third season with, say, the Russians um, trying to duplicate what was happened in the previous season. So it, it all stems back to, like, a laboratory pretty much. Yeah, I count it. I think it definitely, definitely constitutes it. Well, thank you. And I appreciate that sort of support. (laughs) (laughs) I I got you, girl. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, I'm going to switch over because, again, I don't want to rant and rave too much about Netflix. So, um, Brittany, you're going to have the number four slot. Um, okay, this uh, this one is going to be a little more controversial than uh, than Stranger Things, but that my backup for it is that it is the longest running sci-fi show that has existed. Like it holds that that honor, and that is Supernatural, which that I was find... on my list too. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, um, you know, I love Supernatural. You know, there were so many aspects that you were like, man, there's so much crazy shit happening, especially in the earlier ones before we had angels. And, uh, you know, because I think we always had demons with it, but we didn't mm-hmm. have angels. And, like, the slow, like, of everything popping up. But where I had an issue at first, I was like, does this constitute as science fiction because, you know, we got werewolves, we got vampires, we have Wendigos, we have, uh, or is it Wendigos? I think it's Wendigos. Uh, but, you know, it's like you had all this crazy shit happening, and I sat there trying to think, man, is that science fiction? But then I was like, it looked it up in Supernatural as the longest-running sci-fi show, and a lot of people <laughs> had issues with that. But I was like, because that's where I was going back to, where some may consider it like uh there was like horror fiction and you know fantasy fiction but I was reading that most shows don't go under those they will either go under sci-fi or they'll go under regular fiction or you know uh, historical fiction but uh, Supernatural's there so if you want to fight me look it up (laughs) (laughs) no it's fine so I'm glad that you actually did the research because I didn't even do the research with it. I was just like, I think Supernatural constitutes as a sci-fi show, right? Um, yeah. 
you know, because it's like, yes, it isn't, say, like, sci-fi in the ways that maybe other shows on this list are, but when you go through it, it's like sci-fi, I mean, that's like science, right? Which, again, oh my god, we are saying this like a thousand times this freaking podcast. Someone needs to make the meme, I swear. Um, But if you look back, like, science doesn't just, um, isn't just, say, a bunch of labs and beakers and all of that, right? It is uh, cosmic. It's uh, astrological. I don't even know if I said that word right, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's not, even science itself blankets so much, not just, hey, I just use a bunch of tools in a medical setting, pretty much. Science goes through things like planets and this and that, so you can come you can count Supernatural as a sci-fi show in that retrospect. And considering everything that we've seen in Supernatural from the demons, the angels, the this, the that, this, and then the um, ancient, like, uh, what you call it, the ancient uh, books that they have to even go through to take down some of these creatures, to me, seems certainly like it is, absolutely sci-fi in that sense, you know? Um, I mean, Jesus, you know, and it is the longest running. It's crazy that after 15 seasons, it's going to come to an end. I I do have to backtrack just a little bit, just a little bit. I went on this whole tangent supporting you, and now we're going to (laughs) backtrack. It's the longest running in America. The one, the longest running sci-fi show in existence, is Doctor Who. Oh, that makes sense. I don't watch Doctor Who, so I can't even say anything about it. But now I'm, like, trying to double-check, because what's crazy is what I looked it up earlier. It was like, oh, Supernatural, longest-running sci-fi show. But then when I looked up longest-running sci-fi show, it didn't show Supernatural, and then it was only showing Doctor Who, and I was like, oh, no, what have I done? You have to put put in America, because uh, Doctor Who is British. Uh, and, uh, and I'm just like sitting there, I'm like, what have I done? Somebody's going to come for me. It's going to be Jurassic Park all over again. <laughs> but no, I, I, I... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying that I, I do love Supernatural. There was so much crazy shit that happened in it. And it's like, it is very fiction and I guess you know where you where my one argument will be is that you did have like the Stein family, like Frankenstein, you know, where they were like stealing organs from other people and living forever, and that to me is a little creepy science fiction. So I'm going to keep that. That's going to be my argument. No, see, listen, you're not going to get any argument from me. I think that Supernatural certainly constitutes as a sci-fi show. And there was so much throughout the years. Like, I was thinking back on it, and I was like, shit, like, there were some really good seasons. Like, anyone who asks me, because I've had a few people, it's so funny. I've had a few people, like, asking me recently about Supernatural, like Juwan, Kelly, recently asking me. And I'm like, best seasons are season four uh, with the introduction of angels. Season seven with the Leviathans, season eight with Purgatory and Benny, of course, Benny. And, and season nine 
with the angels now essentially having fallen and being on earth, you know? Like, to me... You don't lie. I loved it for a good drill. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, you know, that counted in that whole thing. That's why the drill was there in the first place. I certainly <laughs> loved it, too. Uh, and you only love season eight because of Benny, so let's not Don't come lie. for me. Don't come for me. I'm getting off. I'm coming for you with this, with uh, Benny. The only reason why you liked the season eight was Benny. Well, Benny and the Jets, too. <laughs> but, but, uh, shh. This goes oh, back to the stupid jokes. Oh, my God. No, certainly I definitely count Supernatural. And, you know, a small part of me, like, misses it. You know, like a small part of me is supernatural. And it's going to be interesting to see what the actors do afterwards. Because for the most part, Jensen Ackles, Jared Padalecki, and Misha Collins have only really done this show since they've become involved. So, uh, listen, really quick question. Do we think that Jensen Ackles should play Red Hood in an adult capacity? I thought we weren't asking stupid questions. Oh, 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 no, no, I'm joking. No, I love it. Ever since he took that picture, I wanted him to play Red Hood so bad. And I don't think he's too old for it. I know some people are like, well, he's in his 30s now. And we see Red Hood as being in his 20s. I'm like, no, he looks so perfect for it. And he looks so young. He needs it. I need it. You need it. The world needs it. I just think it's a good idea, you know. I mean, we have a young, quote-unquote, Red Hood in Titans. I know he's not Red Hood just yet. He's still Robin. But we have that in Titans. So you can now make, like, say, an older, although it wouldn't work now with um, Robert Pattinson being Batman. So I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, the world of DC, they're kind of all over the place, so who knows. And with that, we have all the DC fans coming at our throat. <laughs> we got we got Doctor Who coming from. We got Star Trek coming for us. We have that coming for it. Oh, oh and, and keep in mind, we do love Supernatural. We went to the freaking uh, convention in Houston. Drove t- uh, what was it, eight nine hours to get to Houston, from or was it from Arkansas? And we went, and and quick story on that, I was going to get a picture with Mark Shepard, but that was actually when his wife started to go into labor, like, that day, so he had to go home, but at least I got a picture with Tom O'Pinnikin. It was worth it. It was worth it. I'd rather have Tom O'Pinnikin there. You know what? Looking back, me too. Like I love Mark Shepard, but you know you can't be upset with his wife going to labor, and then I learned my love of Tomo. I will say really quick before we move on, Cindy and I went to a supernatural convention in New Jersey where Mark Shepard was talking, and he's hilarious. Like he is <laughs> hilarious, but um. Yeah, so Supernatural certainly constituted fantastic choice. Um, I guess I'm going to pick the number three. You know, if Supernatural is a stretch, I have a feeling that my decision, my choice is also going to be a little bit of a stretch. Not really, but I think that others may argue with me on this. But I'm going to pick iZombie because... Oh, uh, that's good. 
Um, first of all, zombies, very science fiction-esque. Um, the whole creation of the zombies in this world was through a chemical reaction between a tainted drug and an energy drink. So, you know, nothing uh, supernatural created I, zombies as technology and chemical compounds did. And then you have throughout the seasons, Ravi always trying to either create a cure or a vaccine or something to um, combat uh, the zombie virus. So what iZombie did was instead of making zombies more of like the horror movie aspect that you're used to it, um, made it more of, say, like a virus and a chemical thing, which certainly falls into the spectrum of being science fiction. So to me, it, and again, it may be a little bit of a stretch, but I certainly count it as um, uh, da, 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 as sci-fi just because all of it really stems back from, uh, you know, chemical reactions, doing experiments, trying to essentially get everything right. I mean, we had at some point where, um, blue brains were introduced, which was a serum for, um, you know, brains to be dipped in so that you could get uh, longer memories and longer visions and feel uh, the brains more intensely for these zombies. So certainly I count it as a science fiction show. It ran for five seasons, um, just ended a few weeks ago, which, like, is such a it, – it's the whole cancellation of the Defenders universe on Netflix, you know, riles me up. The undervalue of iZombie and how much people underrate this show even more so riles me up because oh, it <laughs> went on for – it went on for five seasons, and people just did not appreciate it the way that they should, and it sucks that it ended, although it ended well, and it ended nicely, not certainly like Veronica Mars, but still sad because I felt like we could have gotten at least maybe two more seasons out of iZombie, but that's neither here nor there. I love this show. I certainly think it's a science fiction show, and I would love to hear your thoughts, Brittany. I was going to say, iZombie, I think, constitutes it even more than supernatural. Because out of all the, like, supernatural-type aspects of things, zombies, not for a long time, you know, a long time ago it used to be, oh, demonic forces caused them to rise from the grave. But from as long as I can remember with things currently coming out, it's always like, uh, I think like 28 days later was, uh, it was a mix of Ebola and rabies that caused right. these people to go crazy. Uh, World War Z, it was something similar of them like getting sick, and even though they're dead, it's or you know, uh, Walking Dead. It was because oh, they already have the virus in them, and if they get bit, it just makes like the fever burn them out, like and make them into this, which I still want to know how their bodies are still moving, because my big brother always made the argument. He's like, animals would have already ate them. Like, they would have been like, <laughs> like they're, they're rotting. They're like, buzzards would be like, I'm going to eat that thing. But, um, no, I think it's great, because especially in iZombie, you know, you when you go back to the beginning of it with them on the boat, and, uh, you know, it's that chemical reaction of, like, uh, wasn't utopium and 
Max Rager that caused yes. it. So the the tainted drug is Utopian, which was made for the show, obviously, and Max Ranger was the energy drink. Yeah, and and it caused it, and you go through it, and people go, well, you know, then why are they getting these crazy memories from, like, eating brains? And it's like, I'm sure there's some scientific reason of, like, oh, neurons firing old past, you know, genetic makeup, maybe being processed weird, you know, some kind of far stretch, like every other science fiction thing. (laughs) But, uh, and they didn't rot which I think makes even more sense for them. You know, you may go, well, why do they got to eat brains? Well, we can ignore that part. But uh, as for zombies actually being a thing and not rotting, that is a very good aspect. It's more realistic of them just being having like a, like a change, a, an infection, you know, something that caused them to be different. But uh, no, I think it's, perfect i think it makes great sense because when you really look at it it's all scientific anyways because even like uh when they're like oh how can it spread it spreads through scratching uh it spreads through sex which i always thought was funny because they're like it you can't even use condoms for that shit it's still you're <laughs> gonna get infected and you're like whoa okay and to me that's very scientific it's an infection i think you know especially in our day and age where we hear about like super germs and super viruses that it makes people scared and it's like it's very realistic that something could spread to one another like that and just infect our world because even you know they talk about rabies you hear rabies is so terrifying because people are like oh that was probably the first early explanation for vampires was because of they would tie them to a tree to like figure out what was wrong with them. And then slowly as the days went on, they would change like ghostly white. They would be very like, they had light sensitivity. They would try to bite people. And that was very what they thought at that time, because people didn't have a way to explain what was happening around them without the science for it. But scientifically, yeah, shit be crazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think how iZombie certainly um, made itself like stay within, say, more of a science fiction realm was by only having, say, like zombies, right? Because I think we've talked about this, that iZombie is loosely, and when I say loosely, really just very loosely based on a comic around the, uh, that has the same name and the same concept, but even the main characters live. Um, the main character wasn't called Liz in the comic. I think she, in fact, was called Rose, but I could be wrong there. But in, say, the um, comic, you have zombies, werewolves, ghosts, and everything, which would have been cool with the show, but I think that they were trying to go for more of a, like, how could this actually happen in, say, the real world, you know? And if you had introduced, like, maybe too many supernatural creatures, then you kind of got to more of a paranormal show than more of, say, a sci-fi show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I, you know me, I just love this freaking uh, show so freaking much um, just because it's, like, the best ever. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) I just love your love of iZombie. T is a very passionate individual, and whether that passion be love or rage is, like, it's a fifty-fifty. Exactly, but it's that Italian in you. You're just a very passionate creature. 
Exactly. That that Italian blood flows <laughs> through my veins. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my number three. Um and I'll never stop uh loving iZombie, but Brittany, tell me what your number two is. Okay, I have two so I'm going to ask you a discreet question. Does your number one start with the letter A? It does. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to go with a different. Okay, I, I want that one to be number one. Uh, I was just like, I don't know what Tia's going to choose. Um, This is going to be another cartoon, but just because it very much constitutes it, and I don't see why there's no reason it can't be a funny cartoon. But I was cho- torn between two, but I know you've watched Futurama. Please say you've watched Futurama. Yes, I have. Sorry, I had myself on mute. But of course I oh, watched Futurama. Oh, I, I was like, oh, she not seen it. This is like the mature version of the Jetsons for me. You know, you have Fry, who he gets uh, cryogenically frozen, ends up in the future. Everything's crazy. And even at the beginning, it's like it, as awful as this is, and it is no joke. But he walks into a phone booth because he's like, oh, I got to make a phone call. No, it's not a phone booth. It's a suicide booth. And you're like, okay, everything is crazy and dangerous. And you got flying cars. You have a spaceship. They're taking deliveries. And it's just like all the craziness of what they go through. And it's Futurama. It's all sci-fi. But it's like ridiculous sci-fi. And you even have... uh, Oh, what's his name? I'm trying to think of uh, the doctor's name. But he always has some really crackpot reason of how any of this is even realistic to try to describe it. And anytime Fry's like, oh, that doesn't really make sense. He, they're like, oh, well, you just don't understand it. You're stupid because you came from the past. And you're like, I don't, I don't think it works like that. As silly as it is, I'm going to go to Futurama. I was going to choose Rick and Morty, but I was like, Tia hasn't watched Rick and Morty, so I'm going to go with something she knows. No, I'm glad that you went with Futurama because I, um, yeah, I've never seen Rick and Morty. But oh, no, yeah, they're coming for you, too. <laughs> I know. Everyone's just going, well, according to uh, Kanan, I need my geek card revoked because I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. So, oh, sorry, no. But, um, yeah, of course, Futurama belongs on this freaking list. It's all about that shit. I remember when the first episode came out, I was like, okay, let me try this out because it's from the creators of The Simpsons, and I like The Simpsons, and it freaking terrified me, the future. I was like, the future is awful, because as you said, Fry's in this, like, suicide booth, and I was like, what the fuck? And then it's like, your um, uh, career is already, like, you know, decided for you, and you have to put a chip in and all of that, and just the whole entire thing, I was like, wow, this is the worst ever, like, uh, bring me back to the past and you see that like the way they got to their future is that they were just kind of like conquered and decimated by aliens over and over again like remember that when Fry is like in the frozen like uh thing oh my god yeah, when but... it goes for the future and it keeps like everything gets like burnt down rebuilt burnt <laughs> down rebuilt Wait, that's exactly how it was sorry go ahead Oh, no, I was just, like, thinking back to that episode. Did you ever watch the episode with the dog? 
Uh, we don't talk about that episode. I know. It's just that I remember sobbing when I was younger because Futurama is so funny. And then like that, and then when the credits roll and you're like watching the entire past of the dog uh, never giving up. Oh, I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sad now. I'm sad for this fictional dog. I hate when these like cartoon shows that are supposed to be funny like come out and shit and then suddenly it's like they like and they're always funny and then they have that one episode that's so utterly heartbreaking that it kind of just like knocks the wind out of you not to get too off topic but family guy did that one time with like ryan who who pretty much revealed that like he has like a gun in a safe deposit box in case whenever he feels like killing himself and i'm like what is going on with these cartoons oh I have another one for you. The last one I'll say is, do you remember Hey Arnold? And I can't remember his name, but he's Vietnamese. And he's talking about how he came to America because when the war happened, they could only take one. And he gave them his daughter so that she could have a life. And the soldier told him just the name of a city to find her. And that was the whole reason he had been in that city for years was to find her, and then at the end, they're reunited, and she's an adult. Oh, I sob every time. I'm going to ugly cry because of that. I'm telling you. Oh. It was it's very, so- I was like, hey, Arnold was always, like, it was coming for, like, when you learned that, uh, was it, oh, Helga, you learned that she's, like, her mother's, actually, and when you look back, her mother's an alcoholic, her father's abusive, and that the sister is, like, the favorite child, and that the reason Helga has issues is because she's been so ignored her entire life, and it does even a past thing where she's like, daddy, daddy, and trying to get them some, they're like, oh, not now, because they're watching their other daughter play the piano. And I was like, oh, Arnold was way, way, like, you look back and you're like, oh, my God. But don't you find out then also that Olga technically, like, moved away because she, like, wanted to get away from the parents or something like that, and that she yeah, didn't yeah. want to Yeah, like, even... she turns out to not be as hateful as, like, Helga, because it's Helga, right? Like, where she's, like, not, she, they kind of realize where the sister isn't some just evil creature, but she hated the sister because of the jealousy from everything, but the sister was like, I don't want it. I think that, yeah, the sister didn't want all of those things that the parents, like, made her do, but it's, like, she had, I don't know, oh, hey, Arnold is, like, just, oh, my God. But, um, yeah, no, we don't talk about that dog episode of Futurama. I will never watch that dog episode again, ever. It's just too much for me. But I feel like the other one is Full Metal Alchemist with the dog and the girl, and I don't know if you ever watched that, but something about dogs and children, just like really, they really come for it. <laughs> they definitely come for the throat. Like, you, um, Bob's Burgers gets me sometimes. They have some of those oh. episodes, and I'm like, can you not? Can you just not? <laughs> no, no kidding. But, yeah, Futurama is a great um, choice here. As you said, it's, like, the adult version of the Jetsons because we have, like, you know, kind of the same concept of flying cars, cities that are up above, but it's a complete and utter, like, uh, almost, like, hilarious commentary on bullshit. But 
it's just so good. I remember, I love the first episode where you find out where, um, whatchamacallit, it, Fry moves in with Bender, and he essentially, like, robots love closed quarters, so it's like a closet, pretty much, and Fry's, like, living with him, and then you find out that the actual closet is, like, a massive freaking room, and Fry's like, well, can I just stay here? And Bender's like, you're gonna live in the closet? Weird. <laughs> yes, I remember that, because he lived, like, the room, and he's, like, so That that was the best. Uh, I think like it, what's so funny is like uh, the going back to the Jetsons. You know they had their robot, which I can't remember her name. I uh, I can't either. Oh my god. Oh, it's so long. But but then like on the parallel, you have Bender, who is more likely <laughs> to tell you to go screw yourself and get black checks and uh, what was it? Uh, He's gonna get blackjacks and hookers or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Oh my god, Futurama. That brings me back. Um, yeah, I, I, great, great choice. Oh, one other thing. Do you remember the? I forget if it was an episode or a movie because I think Futurama had a movie, right? I can't remember at this point. It's been a really long time. Or if it was just like a series of episodes that were kind of like a special. But there was something where, was it Layla, Leia, Leela? Le- oh, God. Leela. Leela. Um, she starts dating someone, and you find out that it's really, like, Fry from, like, the future or something like that or something other. And it's, like, you know, because Fry, like, the present-day Fry was, like, really upset that he, like, never got to, like, be with Layla, but then you find out that, like, this guy who, like, doesn't look like Fry at all and isn't going by that name, but is actually Fry from, like, a different timeline and everything, and it's like, he's like, oh, I did get to be with Layla pretty much and shit like that. Oh, it's still, like, sad. There's so many sad episodes. Oh, one else. People are going to be like, what are these two doing right now? But the episode where Fry gives up his hand to the devil, like the devil robot, so that he can make this beautifully, like, mastered orchestra piece for Layla. Like, because he gets the devil's hand so that he can have, like, the, but they also try to kill him a lot. But yeah, Leela and Fry's relationship was always so sad. And a lot of times they did season finales because they kept getting canceled, I believe. And so they would try to end it in a good way, but then they would have to come back. Like, there is one series of episodes where, like, time freezes, right? Mm-hmm. And Brian and Leela end up, like, uh, going throughout life alone, but they have a really good time. They travel across the world. They even walk across the ocean because since time's frozen, they can walk across the water because they don't sink. And they just explore the world. And at the very end, and they're both old, uh <laughs> Is it Dr. Farnsworth, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like, uh, but the doctor actually ends up finding them because I think uh, he ends up, like, walking through a portal and is like, oh, you know, I'm here to take you guys back. And they, like, and he looks at Leela and he's like, oh, are you ready to do it all over again together? And she's like, yeah. And they go back in the past and they live life all over again together. And I just thought it was, like, the sweetest thing. Their, like, relationship was always so beautiful. And 
it's too much for my heart to bear, so we're going to move on, um, Brittany, if that's all right with you. <laughs> oh, girl, you're fine. I'm ready to talk about number one. <laughs> I love how you already knew. Like, I was saving it. I was saving it. Oh, I know. Um, I should have just been a jerk and just picked it and been like, suck it, Tia. You remember that one that time? Up? What? <laughs> no, no, shit. no. I would have like, like, try to get you back for something that happened way in the past, just to be a jerk, <laughs> like, but jokingly, be like, I picked number one, but I picked it as number ten. Oh my god! But anyway, if you're listening in, sorry that we just went on some crazy tangent on Futurama, but it's okay because we were exploring why that series is so good, but. This is the top 10 sci-fi television shows. I was going to say series, but the title says shows, so I don't know why. I don't know. Whatever. This is it. And we're down to the number one. Brittany and I already know what we're going to say, but we're going to go through the rest of the list anyway as the countdown. So, number 10, we got The Jetsons. Number 9, we have Black Mirror. Number 8, we have Star Trek The Next Generation. Number 7, we have Westworld. Number 6, we have The Boys. Number five, we have Stranger Things. Number four, we have Supernatural. Number three, we have iZombie. Number two, we have Futurama. Brittany, should I pick um, Jurassic Park for number one? <laughs> How about you eat my right foot? How about that? <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say something else, but I will text it to you later. But <laughs> yeah, I, that's not a TV show, Tia. Well, for the number one TV show for this top ten sci-fi television shows will be Alter Carbon, um, because I love this series. Like, think of Blade Runner, think of all this other futuristic sci-fi shit, and just bring in Alter Carbon. It is one of, like, the best shows that, you know what? I will keep my Netflix for Alter Carbon. Um because first of all, it is based on a series of books, and it is ten episodes long. It stars Joel Kinnaman, and it's just oh god, it's so good. It's like this futuristic world where it's almost like Westworld in a sense, not so much, but a little. Because in this world, instead of say hosts, you have fleas, and that means that a person can literally transfer their consciousness from one body to another body, a.k.a. sleeves, which is insane. So you don't like the way you look? Don't worry about a diet. Don't worry about plastic surgery. Just find another body that you can put yourself into. And not only that, it's not even that you can just choose to go into a different, you know, natural body. They make synthetic bodies in this show, which is even crazier. And you have all this crazy shit where not only is it just the technology is, like, way advanced. You have, you know, uh, the story of, say, political corruption, war, um, insane wealth, people living hundreds of years through the technology of transferring your consciousness to sleeves which is insane. And all of this stuff that's going on, and it's absolutely just like this, like it's so good because you have the main character, which is uh, played by Joel Kinnaman, who is uh, Takeshi Kovach. 
and he was essentially on ice, which is what they say pretty much putting someone in prison. They essentially, this is the way I'm going to describe it, shutting off your consciousness. And he was shut off for, I think, about 250 years and now is thrown into this future world, which, you know, his world is already pretty futuristic, but now even more so where he has to essentially um, solve someone's murder. But because we live in the future, the guy whose murder he's solving is alive now. It was just that his, like, uh, former sleeve was killed, but because his consciousness was essentially backed up to a hard drive, he was able to come back, but he can't remember at all, you know, who kills him or the time of his death. So just all of like, the thing on the... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, quick, I was like, because wasn't it like, what's the thing that's called on the back of their necks again? Oh, God, I'm going to forget it now, too. Oh. But basically their consciousness gets stored in that, so that could right. be uh, transplanted. But this guy had it shot out, like destroyed, too, and you think, oh, he's permanently dead. But since he was so rich that he had backups of it where it was like basically a cloud that was constantly re-uploading, but it didn't re-upload in time to catch who murdered him because it would like upload like every 10 minutes or something like every 20 minutes. And so it didn't upload in time. So he missed the last 20 minutes of his actual death. Like think of it as your consciousness is pretty much the memory of a computer and you can back it up to either a hard drive or as Brittany said, the cloud. And that's how human beings exist. And you have obviously some people who think that this is great. Other people, like there's a big um, religious aspect of the show where if you're like a neo-Catholic, you can find something that says that you don't want your consciousness to be brought into another body, which is a huge controversy in the show because essentially that could help put away murderers by putting them on trial, you know? So it's this big, you know, crazy thing that's going on. But um, to me, I love this freaking show. I have to put it as the, the number one. And I know, Brittany, that you also had it on your list, so please tell me what your thoughts are of Alter Carbon. I love the whole idea of, like, I know I'm always like, I love everything, but I do, because it's on the list. Uh, but, uh, no, I love Alter Carbon, because you have, not only is the whole concept great, you have tons of great actors. I loved Poe, I loved Takeshi, I love, I can't remember the main lady's name, but she was amazing. Everybody was, like, on their A game for this show, which uh, I think a lot of it, you know, you have the director being great, giving them great direction. Um I was going to say, I always laugh at Takeshi's name because a lot of people are like, how do you get a guy named Takeshi, like, was it Kovac? And it's like, in his, like, his mother was Japanese, but his father was, uh, what was he? Not Russian. Like, his mother was Japanese and his father was, like, Slavic or something. Yeah, yeah. But And I always loved that for it because everybody was like, how do you end up in that? But that's the thing is, like, people switch bodies so much that even I don't think race was much of a thing in it because it, it didn't matter what you were born in because you may get a sleeve that is a different race than what you were born so everybody was just kind of mixed so I don't think that even was an issue in that which I found really cool in it that but you know there obviously was sleeves that people didn't want like you know when the little girl gets killed 
that she like ends up like the only body they can afford is like an old lady or something like that. Like, oh, oh, it's like um, when this happens, you just get whatever we have on file. And hers was like an old lady. And it was like so alarming and it was so heartbreaking. But you do have like the crazy, like, like everything's futuristic. But it's kind of like, did you ever watch Cowboy Bebop? I haven't, no, which I will be watching the, the live action version because it has uh, John Cho and Mustafa Shakir in it. Well, what good I loved about it is even though, um, you know, it's futuristic and you have the spaceships and everything, there's like slum areas. There's like the ghetto areas, like where things are not so great. And I think I love that about it is that you would think, oh, futuristic, everything can be clean and beautiful. But that's only like for like uh, the rich people that don't they like live above the uh, like the city because it's so like downtrodden if they like consider it dirty but where the rich people live is like above it and it's very like ethereal like they may they basically are like living like greek gods above there and it's like i love basically like the class system of it all yeah so the rich people live essentially above the clouds um away from the like smog and the uh, industrial type of uh, slums that everyone else lives in because if you think about it no one's really dying so there's overpopulation um, resources are strained and then you have these elite rich people who have hundreds of years to collect their riches um, living the life up above uh, completely disregarding those who live down below Sounds awful. Thanks. I hate it. (laughs) No, I mean, this show is just so good. It's so good, Brittany. I I love where um, I almost messed with you whenever I was like, oh, does it start with A? I should have been like, what? I thought we were doing American Dad. What's wrong with you? Because there's Roger (laughs) in it, the alien. Oh, Oh, and that would have been good. That would have been a good uh, psych. Uh, you would have been like, it would have been the first good joke you told this entire time. Uh, he's not sissy. <laughs> uh, girl, girl. But no, you're making me want to watch Alter Carbon because I don't think I got to the very, very end of it. I watched a lot of it. I loved it. And and Tia knows. I, I have such a trouble, like, sitting down and actually, like, finishing things, like, watching them, because I, I get too emotionally attached, and then I get stressed out trying to finish them, because I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm too invested. It's the reason why I used to read books, like, every single day I would finish, like, tons and tons of books, and at some point, like, I would get so anxious for the main character. I was like, I can't read this because I'm going to be stressed out the entire time. No, I know. I mean, I kind of haven't watched the end of iZombie for that very reason. Like, I don't want it to end. Um, But Ultra Carbon is a great show that, to me, like, the first episode is a little slow because it's obviously having to set up this gigantic world so that you know the terminology, you know what's going on. But after that, I think it kind of just, flows really well. You get very invested into all the characters. I mean, it's hilarious, like the little nuances. You have uh, Poe, who is literally a living hotel, which is fantastic. Like, what the hell? Um, And just everything about it is great. And, you know, 
this is my thing, right? I love Joel Kinnanen, and I love him as that character. And I also love Anthony Mackie, who is taking over uh, for Takeshi Kovach in the second season. And, you know, they can do that because of the whole sleeve thing. And even, first of all, in the book, Takeshi is always in different bodies. So it's not like there's always a consistent. And Joel Kinnaman even said that it was his um, understanding that it was just a one season and that was it, that they were going to plan on bringing a new sleeve in. And so he understood that. And again, I love Anthony Mackie. I'm very interested to see what he does with the character, but I am just a little disappointed that Joel Kinnaman isn't in it. Joe Kinnaman was the best. I love how that man can go from looking like a skinny ex, you know, drug addict to being one big muscle daddy. Well, you know, listen, that's why we love transformations, right? <laughs> like, uh, what, what's it? Trying to remember the name. Um, oh, Christian Bell. He, he's gone up and down the scale tons of times. His transformations have been absolutely insane. Um, so it's just, it's so interesting to see, like, kind of these actors who really just do what they have to do to make themselves look a certain way for whatever project that they're in. I mean, me, I could not do that. I'm like, I'm trying to lose weight. There's no way that I would take a role that requires me to gain weight. I'd be like, nope, find someone else. Um, but <laughs> you're like, no money is worth this. No money is worth it unless they hire like an insane trainer that can get my ass back into shape afterwards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Alter Carbon certainly to me deserves to be the number one sci-fi show. I love that you and I could both agree on it. That we even had that moment that we were like, oh, what are you gonna pick? What am I gonna pick? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We gotta make sure because that's the one thing about top ten is that you know we. Since it's two people, three people, four people, you know, people's idea, like, oh, you have to get it in while you can, like, and so sometimes the list is a little disorganized, but I think we always try hard that the number one is, like, the actual number one that we want for that spot. I I remember sometimes Ryan, he'll know there's something we want number one, and he'll call it early so that it won't be at the top, and I'm like, you jerk. I know. (laughs) Oh, God, but we were on par today. Um, Before we kind of wrap everything up, Brittany, do you want to kind of shout out what you had maybe as, like, uh, honorable mentions or anything, something that maybe didn't make it on the list? I'm trying to think of – because on my honorable mentions and stuff, it was stuff like Black Mirror or Stranger Things, if they didn't get picked, something that – I may have had trouble to go in depth with. And it's kind of like, as much as I haven't seen Doctor Who, I think it definitely deserves to be an honorable mention because it is, like, you know, I said, the longest running in history. Of, I think it's been like 43 years it's been running. And people love it. The following is crazy for it. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, how oh, dare you, you haven't watched it. But I, I wouldn't even know where to start with it. No, me either. Absolutely. So. I mean, if we had someone on the show who was a Doctor Who fan, certainly they could have mentioned it. Um, me, I feel like I'm good. I threw out all of the shows that were on my list. I don't really have any honorable mentions, but I'm sure that as time goes on, I'll be picking them out because 
as we said, the sci-fi genre is massive. Oh, no kidding. Like, there's so many. And that even my brain before, like, movies was like, oh, this. And I was like, no, I pulled a Jurassic Park. <laughs> I'm never going to let you live that down. I know. It's going to be like, it's going to be like everything all over again. You're going to be, like, messaging me and being like, I'm about to bring up Jurassic Park. <laughs> you better be prepared for it. Um, but, Brittany, it's been wonderful having you on the show. I'm glad that we got to break down all of these fantastic sci-fi series. Before uh, we kind of conclude for the day, do you have anything that you'd like to shout out? Um, where can fans find you? Just kind of plug yourself and uh, let us know. So, so you can find me both under Twitter and Instagram. That's Brittany underscore Hegel. I like to do the podcast with Tia every Sunday when I can. It normally works out that way. And when I can, on Geeks Against the Grain. So you can find me there, and I'll talk your ear off. (laughs) Which we always love. So we did the Geeks Against the Grain on Friday. Obviously, you got the top ten today. Later on, we're doing Geek Vibes Live, which is always our round out for the news of the week. On Mondays, you can check out Dane's Monday Suck. Um, Nick does Full Court Press during the week. we got all types of great shows, interviews coming up that you certainly want to keep an eye out for and all of that. Um, make sure that you find us on Twitter, Instagram, Geek Vibes Nation, and as well find me on Twitter and Instagram, Tia Fabi. I um, am a content writer for Geek Vibes Nation, and I do the top ten. So please show your support by liking and sharing and letting us know what your favorite sci-fi television shows are. Thank you again, Brittany. Thank you for everyone listening, and I hope you have a great day. Have a wonderful day. Bye.